Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, welcome to the Autocar Podcast, my week in cars, with me, Matt Pryor, and in Steve Cropley. Hello, Stephen. Hello, mate. How are you going? Very Good well, going. thanks, mate. Unaffected by the rain so far? Uh, yes, I hope you can't hear it on the um, audio, but uh, we'll see how we go. You can write to Steve and me on uh, autocar at haymarket.com on the email, or you can find us on um, some of the socials or our email addresses are in uh, the rag. And, Steve, we've had quite a lot about the BMW i3s. Oh, isn't which, that interesting? Yeah, I mean, like, a, a lot, about um, because you were thinking it might fill a, a hole in the Cropley garage. Yeah, yeah, and a few things have happened to me, too, that I can tell you about. Oh, good. Well, I'll start with, I'll start with this. David Power writes to say, I've had several i3s since they came out with the original uh, Donkey Motor, which I think is the range extender, yeah. I guess, and now has an i3s. Totally agree with you on the chassis. I ordered it new, waited ages, but after a month of ownership, I could not live with it. But I did find a solution, David says. Uh, Bill Stein do a su- superb set of dampers that transform the car. I've now had the car 15 months with them on, and I will never sell it. Yeah, you see. We also manufacture, says David, uh, some bushes for it, which help the front as uh, the car ages and they wear out. He is uh, of Powerflex. Yeah, that is. Uh, I was actually the, the the way this has progressed is that mm. I saw that letter. Yep. Wrote back to David because he was, you know, how you can just tell people know what they're talking about. Yes. And we had a further exchange, and he says that the you if you fit these dampers, which you can do yourself. Oh. Um, and keep the standard springs. It just transforms the car. So oh, cool. it's back in the frame for me now. I, I, because as he says, they look nicer. Yeah. And yeah. bigger tires and all that. Now I do want to try and do an auto solo or two. I think it'd be a laugh to do it in an EV. Well, that'd be interesting. Yeah. That would be interesting. Well, I think my son might have a bash with me. Oh, yeah. So because uh, he he's, he always shows me up, but I'm happy to be shown up. The auto solo bit where you reverse in and then go forwards and then go to reverse can. Presumably, no, that, in an EV, you could flip 
or is or are you not doing that? Well, you could do, that. That is a thought. I haven't mm. thought of that. But the reason I quite like auto solos is that they're different from auto tests. Auto oh, tests okay. are the rear reversing jobs, right? Which are so hard on a car's transmission, mm. conventional car's transmission. So they would be good in an EV, but I just like the ones where you keep going forward. Gotcha. And you can get closer to the car's limits at low speed and all that. So. I've done a few. I've always been useless, but but um, but you enjoy the day out. You, yeah. you know, you do half the day you spend driving, and the other half day you spend marshalling for all the people that marshalled for you in the morning, oh, that's or cool. afternoon. Oh, that sounds like a it's a great breeze. idea. Yeah. Does the uh, what do we think of an i3's stability at uh, extended low speed cornering manoeuvres? I think an i3 might be a bit limited on tyre grip because of because the for that reason rubber's t- so spindly, but yeah. I think an i3s would be all right. I I ran across a um, a YouTube vid of a bloke doing a, a ten second lap of the Nurburgring, a ten minute lap of the Nurburgring in an i3s. Oh, okay. And he was he was quite all right through the corners. In fact, he said it was terrific. But he but he was whinging a lot about the lack of grunt, as lack you can imagine. Grunt. Yeah. Well, Bob Bailey writes too to say after years of parallel thinking. Uh, with Steve, I was sorry to hear that his thoughts on an i3s have faltered over ride quality. I was in the same position, but after a number of test drives, came to the conclusion that it was worth persisting. And I've just completed 5,000 miles um, of ownership. The handling always feels assured, uh, and the favourite road driving is as pleasing as it was in uh, his 140i that preceded it. Yes, the low speed ride over uneven tarmac can feel unpleasant, but the dividend of the carbon fibre stiffness and low weight pays off at higher speeds yeah so well, you can I, live with it I don't, I don't know if I'd live with it as standard yeah it, but, it yeah. seemed I drove a couple mm. and they did seem it's a steering committee issue I just I would like to think it would be something we could just jump into and go around the locality and, and uh, I just don't want her to be uncomfortable no fair enough so but I'm reassured by David Power mm. I think he I'm going to have a further conversation with him actually could you uh Go and sit in it and see what it's like. Uh, what, his car? His car, yeah. Yeah, well, he offered. Oh, um, cool. Seems a bit... Time allowing. Yeah. He's not far away either, so okay. maybe I'll give him a bell and yeah. see what he says. Anyway, John Hancock, finally, uh, is pretty much with you. After three or four months of looking at I found my perfect i3 last week, my dreams have shattered on the test drive. The seats were uncomfortable and the suspension uh, too stiff. Was that a three or an S? That was a that was an I three range extender, so that was ah. not even an S. Oh, so, yeah, the heavy one, the funny, slightly yeah. bouncy, heavy one. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. yeah. Uh, on the subject of comfortable cars for yeah. you and Mrs. Scrotbling, you were in the Alpine A one ten last week. We alluded to this a bit last week, didn't we? Yeah, cruising back from Bister Heritage's last Sunday scramble of the year when disaster. Yeah, she, we, it, well, it just conked. It, it was. <laughs> You know, we're going up a hill, and it it ceased to prevail, and and uh, and it wasn't a matter of misfire or you know the the usual stuff. It just ran out of fuel. It wouldn't restart. It was quite obvious that there was no juice getting through. It was three quarters full the tank. So I'd heard a bit about this fuel pump issue, and and um, I was pretty convinced that that's what it was. We stopped in a really awkward part of the Fosway. Yeah, which there's is a, there's a picture on your column, isn't there? Yeah, it looks. I can't see a huge amount of the road up and down, but it looks a bit perilous. Yeah, and there's a there's a double white line and all that, which you know people had to cross it to pass us, and it was an incline, and just horrible. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I got onto the AA, of which I am a member, mm-hmm. and uh, 
they these days they they say report it on through the website or through the app. Okay. And then they send you an interesting link. They say uh, they don't believe you if you say you're in a dangerous position because no, presumably course, everybody everybody says even if your car conks in your own a, garden, it's still dangerous. I am, a, I am a lone woman in a dangerous position. Please help. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. But um, I sent them this link back, and it showed them exactly where I was, and they yeah. they came out straight away. In fact, two people came out. A bloke in a van towed the car out of the way into a layby where we hung about for a while, and then about another. I don't know, 20 minutes later, a bloke turned up in a flatbed, hmm. loaded the car as if it was made of feathers, you know, just sort of because um, light car, bloke had done it a million times before. His MAN, by the way, his flatbed truck had done 400,000 no. kilometres. And it was still in, was fine. There was nothing wrong with oh, it. Yeah. Not even a rattle ended him. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. And that's a, they use a proper sized truck don't they like yeah. a seven and a half tonner yeah. not one of these I'm, I'm still plan one day to write a column about this there is this the beaver tail truck which is uh common to some recovery firms but the maximum weight of one is three and a half tons and of course the truck comes in at about 2.2 2.3 yeah so which means they can hardly lift anything yeah but they win contracts from some national recovery services mm. based on the fact that they say oh well we can recover cars for x amount per time and then of course they just turn up and they stick an overladen car on not very good thing. is it no it's not good and it's a it's a real thorn in the side of the reputable bits of the recovery business yeah but yeah i know that the, the man trucks you mean that the aa use proper decent oh things there was a, good look, everything was right about back off. <laughs> they were the people on the phone were brilliant mm-hmm. the 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 two blokes that I met were terrific. They were both, you know, just calm, normal, you know, please don't stand there, sir, because you'll be flattened, you know, all that stuff. But but really nice, you know, chatty yeah. anecdotes while while sort of going about the job at top speed. And, we, you good. know, we were out of danger quickly. The car got recovered to my house. They would have taken it to the dealer, but for the fact that it was a Sunday. Yeah. Next day, it did get recovered to the dealership, which is in Winchester. Mm-hmm. People rang me up from the dealership, said it, it is duly low fuel pressure. Yeah. Sourced a fuel pump in one day, fitted it. Mm-hmm. Card done by the end of the week. Now, there is a slight <laughs> fly, yeah, in was... the, fly in the ointment of <laughs> the dealership. Tell me about the phone oh, call. Mate, it was Tell me about the first, one of the first phone calls well, you received I, from the dealership. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I was sitting there. I think I was writing, you know, the, our usual nonsense and... Yeah. and uh, and the phone rings, and this bloke, who sort of sounded as though he was organising a funeral, and he said, you may want to contact your insurance company. <laughs> and I said, why is that then? You know, it was just sort of a little heart rate rising. And he said, the car has got a crack in the aluminium chassis frame. One of the front wishbones is completely detached. There's quite a lot of body damage, and the uh, two nearside wheels are are very badly scuffed to the point, you know. Yeah, that you might want new wheels. And I thought, God damn, you know, how did this happen? Have they dropped it off the truck or something? Yeah. Or, or did I really buy a car off the, a 3,000-mile car off the off the Alpine press fleet and not mm. notice that it had, <laughs> the, the it had buckled wheels? And square wheels. <laughs> anyway, I, I so I, I thought all I can really do is phone the Alpine helpline and ask them to go and have a look and mm. see, because I did buy it from them. Yeah. Um, directly, and and uh, 
while I was in the throes of getting around to doing that, the phone rang again. And this bloke came on with an even more contrite sort of funereal voice as if he was kind of talking on his knees. And he said, I'm so sorry. <laughs> We've got two cars for... Uh, for, that, that are being fixed in, in our workshop, and uh, the one I described is not yours. It's not yours, thank heavens for so that. So some other bloke had driven off the road at high speed. <laughs> that is problematic. <laughs> I, am, I, am, I am aware of a couple of press fleet A110s that have been down the road as uh -huh. the in motorcycle parlance. Uh -huh. but, uh, but yes, not, not yours, mate. No, uh, no. Well, when we, I mean, the thing is I borrowed it. The reason we bought it is because I borrowed it at a low mileage, you know, barely... 2000 and something and the missus liked it so much that uh she said um if we're going to buy one of these why don't we buy this one oh yeah so i said about it mm. and uh that uh that's that's what happened so anyway it was all fine but it the the, the heart rate did did, did uh, rise a little <laughs> yeah it's but it's rare to find a breakdown isn't it we were going to talk about this rare to, yeah, rare I was to, going to say to you in a car when days. is the last time do you remember do you can you remember the last time you broke down in a car uh the last time one actually failed to proceed was my own hillman imp on the way to, to heritage oh about, but that i think that which doesn't count yeah, at all no the last time a new car i did have a i did have a problem there's a in the Land Rover Discovery 5, they have a diesel-powered auxiliary heater type thing, I think, for really cold climates. That developed a fault, but the rest of the car still worked fine. It just put out a bit of smoke. Oh, it, it was smoky. One yeah, I remember this. Yeah. Um, but no, the last time I actually had a car that genuinely failed to get somewhere or wouldn't start, I I don't remember. No. I, don't, I don't think I've ever been recovered in a work car that no uh oh there was a Vauxhall insignia but we were testing it at Millbrook at the time yeah. so it's only stuff during yeah it's only only stuff during test track amazing isn't it the, yeah. the, I mean the missus and I we, we were standing there amusing ourselves waiting for the for the bloke to turn up and we we had a little competition when when is the last time you were recovered and neither she nor I could remember an occasion no, no. I mean there are times in way, way back in your in your sort of dopey cheap car history when yeah. something went wrong but that's not 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 in living memory really no, no i mean it's happened in our in my own cars but it's not really the same is it because no, they are no, no. leggy and you know yeah not, not as modified i mean i suppose most press cars are pretty tidily looked after most of the cars that we get into yeah are looked at pretty frequently but still no it's, I mean, a, it's an interesting i don't think that would have been the case well, you know, because you were, you know, working yeah. in the seventies and eighties, that wouldn't have been the case back then. I can remember various broken or sort of um, Astons and TVRs are the ones that used to break down. Yeah, they they used to drive the infuriate the people in the companies because they, you know, they you'd give the this somehow get this car back to them, and they'd say Porsches break down too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I don't want to. Some people who were involved in TVR still get a little bit touchy about it today. Yeah. But when I was on a previous publication that no longer exists, our sales, obviously business development manager, something like that, had a TVR Tuscan, the the quite swoopy looking one, yeah. early 2000s. Yeah, lovely car. Lovely car, really lovely car. But that was a problem yeah. all the time. Just He just said, he, I remember he walked into the office one day 
and uh, said, morning, all, oh, how's it going? He said, amazing. I got home last night. My car was on the driveway. Fantastic. <laughs> the dealer had delivered it back to him whilst it was out. So, but yeah, it just, uh, yeah, I mean. Yeah. You know. the, the Porsche Boxster put paid to all of those, didn't it? Really, it really, didn't it? Because everybody, do you remember, it used to be a, a, a rite of passage to own a Cerbera or something yeah. like that. And and, uh, and then along came this Porsche, which didn't cost any more and was totally reliable and pretty nice to drive and rather quick. And yeah, I sort of did have a theory at the time that, you know, one day TVR will sort of run out of customers yeah. who were prepared to have another. You know, a lot. Of, I was in the Lotus 7 club at the time and people used to say on the, on the forums, yeah, I've had a TVR. Yeah, but they wouldn't necessarily have two or no. three, you know, but they had one for a bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think it's exactly the case. Yeah. Uh, what should we do? Oh, before we take a break, I drove the Alpine A110R the other day. Oh, what do you think? first time, really enjoyed it, really enjoyed it. The weather was pretty lousy, which I don't think does it any favours because it was on those Michelin Pilot Sport Cup 2R tyres, which are pretty, you know, laser focused for yeah. dry weather and grip. Oh, so not too good in the wet then? Not or? too good in the wet. But I mean, I enjoyed it in the wet. It's for our Britain's Best Driver's Car gig that will be in the mag on the 1st of November or 2nd of November, whatever the whatever the Wednesday is. Um, yeah, but I really liked it. Very, de- you know, very delicate, very poised. And you can feel it just as you use, as you come on the throttle, you could just feel that absence of, Inertia, which I really enjoy. I really enjoy. I liked it. I think more than most other people did. But yeah, I really liked it on the on the road, particularly. Yeah, and um, I keep wondering about them. I I haven't had a go in in anything but a standard one. Oh, okay. Well, a a sort of mine's a two fifty. Yeah, and there's a two ninety, isn't there? And Mm. I've driven that, but but a year or two back. So I don't really know how they progress. But I I'd be a bit scared of the prices now. Yeah, it's also a bit. It's also a bit much inside because it's quite, I don't know how much of that is optional, but it was quite raw in terms of no carpets and pretty racy seats with oh, big right. harnesses and stuff like that, which I always find a bit of a pain in the yeah. bum in a road car, really. But, but once, you just, once, you, once you're in it and you're just doing that, that st- steering with your fingertips and just yeah. get that lovely filtered feedback through. Yeah, that's yeah, nice. Off. And the size is not good. Size is terrific. It? Yeah, size is great. Oh, yeah, I, really I, I was surprised by how much, how spacious it feels. It doesn't feel. I'm not saying it's, you know, like a barn or anything, but it, but it seems to be. It goes out where you need it to go out. The, you know, the interior. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, right. Steve and I are uh, going to take a short um, break. It is worth knowing that issue of the magazine is on sale. Uh, yes, Wednesday week, whatever that is. Wednesday the. Hang on, I've got my diary here. Wednesday the 1st of November that's got Britain's best driver's car in it you can also find a video of it in two parts first part will be up um, over on the Autocar YouTube channel um, a second part following a week later um, and you can subscribe the magazineshop.com is where to find Autocar and if you subscribe before I think the 5th of November there are early bird deals for sort of Early bird for Christmas, I suppose, is the idea. Mm. But anyway, 13 issues, uh, full access to the digital archive of 128 years, less than 30 quid. Fantastic. So uh, Steve and I are going to leave you for a very short moment. We will be back just after this. What car would you buy if you could buy any car? What car would you buy if you knew you could save thousands? What car would you buy if you could compare the latest offers from approved dealers? 
car would you buy if you could do all of this in one place in just a few simple clicks? And where would you go to buy that car? What car? Car buying made easy. Visit whatcar.com to buy your next new car. Welcome back to My Week in Cars. You can write to us, autocar at haymarket.com, as Nick Brunner has done. I don't think you've, I'm not sure you've seen this letter yet, Steve, but I'm interested to know what you think. Um, Nick works for a UK company, um, used to be known as Ajeep, but it's an, it's uh, an Italian company. And Nick's Italian colleagues say that they have pointed out that the Hyundai Ionic 5 They've realised the inspiration for its design. They think it's the Fiat Ritmo. God. And he sent a picture. Nick has sent a picture of the Fiat Ritmo slash Strada as it was sold over here. Yeah. And no, you can see what they're on about. I think he might be onto something. Yeah. There is yeah. A, there is that sort of chiselled thing, isn't there? That that. Uh, um, I mean, they must look a bit funny parked next to one another, and mustn't they? Because the well, Ionic Fives are kind of. Imagine how big an Ionic Five looks yeah. next to a Strada. Yeah. Yeah. I like the Strata, and I did like that. Sort of, well, I always think of it as architectural. That that um, those that sort of very well defined, structured shape. Mm. So I, I kind of get it. Yeah, yeah. I love the, I love the name Ritmo. So much nicer than Strata. It is, isn't it? And it, uh, I mean, reads a rhythm, it. doesn't it? I think. Oh, does it? In, yeah, why do we get? Why did we get Strata, not Ritmo? Ah, oh, some sort of marketing decision, probably. Um, and it also had those lovely circular um, door handles. Remember them? It oh, had. Yeah. There were. Oh, yeah. I don't know whether they worked well. I liked them. Hmm. They had some funny controls, but but I've got fond memories of that car, especially the Strada 130TC. Remember that car that, yeah. with the big racy seats and the holes in the uh, holes in the seats for the for the harnesses oh, and all that. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Went um, okay too. Did it win car of the year? I can't tell you. Um, I would have thought it was a contender for sure. Let's have a quick. Let's have a quick. This is the fascinating bit, listener, where I <laughs> search the internet. Yeah, I, perhaps I sing a song or tell a joke. Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, look I at d- the rain. I drove. Um, I drove a different uh, Hyundai last week. I drove the Kona electric. This might be my column. Actually, the reason when sometimes Steve and I talk about our respective columns in this podcast, I haven't actually written mine yet, so it's, which is slightly problematic. What a confession! I have. I know it's bad. <laughs> I have to um, uh, tell tell us about it though. I'm I'm in, I've always been well, interested in the Kona, and it doesn't quite play as well as the as the Kia, the the uh, the Nero, which no, is no, it's funny, isn't it? And they have and they in the sort of EV six and the. Uh, Ionic Five and stuff. They they seem to have EVs that get much more of the limelight than than their cars that are available with an EV powertrain or a, a combustive yeah. powertrain, don't they? Somehow. But anyway, I I liked it. Good good car. Good range. Solid range. Decent value for an EV. But it comes with because it's only just gone through its European type approval. It's got an attention monitor. The regulations say you should be able to turn it off, but you can't turn it off, oh. and it's terrible. Oh, and it, but so, so that, it taps you on the shoulder, all the yeah, time. all the time. If you if you have a proper you know motorcycle lifesaver check over your shoulder as you are going up a slip road, it suddenly goes, "Hang on, you're not paying attention." And you think, "Yes, I am." <laughs> I am. Yes, 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 I am. But it doesn't just go bing and stop. It just bings until such point as it discerns. I don't know. So sometimes it just bong twice. 
Sometimes so, it went on for a good 30 seconds of bonging with a little coffee emblem on the dashboard. Oh, God. And it's genuinely unbearable. So Hyundai UK are querying it with their European partners who are querying it with the Korean head office to go, hang about, should it be like this? Because if it... The regulations come in, there's a new set of European type approval regulations coming in in July next year, I think, by, by which all cars, all new cars, have to have an attention monitor. Hmm. The regs say, I checked them the other day, I had a good look through, the regs say you can turn it off if you want to. Um, there's vision areas that if it's got an eye monitor, basically, yeah. it looks at yeah, where yeah. you're looking. If you're looking in certain areas for a certain number of seconds, it's supposed to go off. But it's only supposed to, it only has to go off for long enough for you to know yeah. that it has no, that it, that it has told you, that yeah. it has told you. The, the audible warning is supposed to let you know that it thinks you're not, you, you should probably consider your attention. Maybe you should take a break, blah, blah, blah. In principle, it's not a bad idea. But in practice, with so many false positives and being unable to switch off. Yeah. I, you know, I gave the car a, a, a fair enough rating, but on the basis that this is sorted. And if it isn't sorted, I couldn't possibly recommend it. That would stop, I think you'd be the same as me, that would stop me buying the car. Would, it's a literal point that for me would go from a three and a half, four star car to a no star car. Don't buy this car because that's unbearable. Yeah. It's unbearable. It, well, I drove it for like three hours and it went off four, three, four times, I suppose. But and one time just wouldn't, st- it just wouldn't shut up, just wouldn't stop. I think, how do I, how do I get this to stop? So where do I have kind to, of where looking- do I have to? Yeah, so I'm looking, I'm, now I'm distracted. <laughs> I wasn't a minute ago, but now I am. Oh dear. Uh, anyway. Bad business. Car of the year was, I stopped searching for that then at that point, mate. Uh, let's have a look at Ritmo. I'm not sure it, Ritmo Strada. Just yeah. before the sale of its European Division 2 Peugeot, Chrysler achieved a success in the second contest with the Horizon uh, ahead of its main rival, the Fiat Ritmo Strada. Ah, uh, okay. So, yeah, lost to the Chrysler. Well, I think it was Horizon. robbed myself. Do you reckon? As a, as a veteran of cornering shots in 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 Chrysler Horizons, yeah. yeah. Boy, a body a historic body roll. <laughs> you know, you just got you, you bolted around this. We used to do these cornering shots on taxiway in in Bedfordshire, and and the thing that was amazing was that as the car turned left, you know, you would you would seem to get a foot closer to the road, looking out of the side windows because <laughs> of the body roll. It was amazing. I do love some of those cornering shots that, we oh, do, that people put up online sometimes <clears throat> from the old banks. They are extraordinary. Yeah, it's Absolutely as if nobody, no, nobody involved in the engineering of the car ever cornered it yeah. because, yeah. you know, because the wheel angles and the and the you know the rear wheels are sort of foot off the floor mm. and all that. Yeah. Tell you what I drove. I'll tell you what I drove yesterday was a mid eighties Audi Sport Quattro. Good. Yeah, because you know you you know you sometimes drive things that you haven't driven for a long time and get suddenly get a bit disappointed yeah. by them because they've started to creak a bit or they don't feel as new as they were or. A lot of other cars do what they do these days. So Vauxhall keep a Lotus Carlton, don't they? Which is yeah. a lovely thing. But when I drive it, I think there's a lot of cars that do what this does yeah. these days. And it just feels a bit creaky and a bit yeah. and a bit a bit a bit old. But this Sport Quattro still felt mega, really rigid of chassis of of structure, well. of structure. Steered pretty well. And if I go in there and I started driving it thinking, Oh, I don't know about this. It's a bit fidgety and you know, it's it's it also pitches quite a lot and rolls quite a lot because it's relatively softly set up. And then if you just actually chuck it out a couple of corners, 
you go, oh, bloody, this is mega. It's just yeah, yeah. terrific. Really, yeah, fantastic. There, there was a, a guy that I, there, there was a, I think he may have passed on now, but there was a bloke that used to show up at hill climbs and sprints we did. I can remember one of these things going around Kerbera. You know, Kerbera is about the size of two postage stamps. But this bloke drove it with more commitment than I've ever seen in my life. And, the, cool. and the, the kind of squat and nosedive and all that stuff were obvious. But, yeah. the, but the car, the times were sensational. Mm. Just attraction. And also the lovely engine, the way the engine sound. Just still sounds brilliant. Still pulls. Yeah. Amazing. It's loads of lag. It's a five, right? all, yeah, It's a five, yeah. yeah. And it's loads of lag and then it all comes in. Wow. At about four or five, whatever. And then it just... And it, it's proper grunt, is it? Yeah. Yeah, it's three... 100 brake, I think, or thereabouts. Um, but it weighs, I think they, the claim at the time is it weighs a thousand kilos, but road, contemporary road tests were sort of 1200. Kilos. But even so, 1200 and 300 brake is pretty good. Pretty good, pretty yeah. Pretty tidy, isn't it? And, yeah. and of course, those turbo engines, plenty of torque too. Yeah. Once again, yeah. once again. Percolating, once again. yeah. Yeah, it was really. Uh, is this, this is going to make an appearance? Yeah, it's going to be on, uh, it's going to be on vid and then. Uh, in, in Magwise, it's uh, Felix Page has been running a TTRS for oh, a bit, right. so he thought, well, let's get this five-cylinder plus the iconic five-cylinder together and see how they, you know, if there's a thread between them still. It was um, that's a that's an ambitious thread, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, isn't it? <laughs> Sounds to but me like good, somebody wanted to have a go. Wanted to have a go. Yeah, yeah. A sport Quattro. And good luck to him. <laughs> but yeah, no, it'll make an also car heroes vid as well, which is cool. So yeah, it's great. Really, yeah, good fun. Yeah, good day. Um, tell me about the all parliamentary group on historic vehicles. There's this um, Yorkshire MP called Sir Greg Knight who mm-hmm. put together this group thirty years ago. This year, in fact, thirty years ago to represent people who love cars and keep them and want to drive them forever. And you know, I think he's got a bunch of Jensen's. Okay. And and he gets together this group of about, I suppose it must be 60 or 80 people in a big dining room, dining room A in the House of Commons, mm. big long table. And uh, we all, I was invited, we all been a few times before and we, in fact, I made a, I was a, I was a, Speaker one year. Oh, really? which, oh God, I quaked. In <laughs> front. Imagine trying to make a speech in the House of Commons. Oh, yeah. Anyway, oh, yeah. I mean, it's not it, I didn't get actually pelted with bread rolls, but it got close. <laughs> um, anyway, the thing is, uh, lots of interesting people there. Mm. Um, this year, Mike Brewer, the television bloke. Oh, yeah. um, uh, you know, people from the Royal Automobile Club, and lots of there was a the RAC launched their their annual survey lots of interesting stuff you know what what people hate most about motoring and like most about motoring mm. but the bloke that really stood out for me was a guy called Derek Matthewson who is the auctioneer on a program called Bangers and Cash mm. don't even know what the hell um television channel it's on but you, you run across it, it don't you yeah. and, it, and, and it's one of those things you run across and I whenever I see him I stick because it, he seems like such a damn nice bloke. And, of course, you, the thing you always wonder about people on TV is whether they're horrible, really. <laughs> <laughs> yes, quite. We've all got our ideas. As well. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> just and think. he is yeah. the world's nicest man. Oh, and, he, and he is just like just like uh, he comes across on the box, you know, yeah. extremely well-informed, mild-mannered, soft centre, really. And, you know, he's, he's forever selling off somebody's pride and joy and trying to get the most for it because he knows they need the money and, yeah. and he's talking about 
people who were sustained through lockdown by the program and so on. It was really nice. Mm. Um, anyway, I had bonded with this bloke. I thought he was, I mean, I don't know what the hell he thought of me, but I, I really thought he was a top bloke. And I said, what do you think about a visit? And he mm. said, yeah, great. Oh, you know, you know how these people say, well, I have to see, you know, talk to my check, manager check and all that. Yeah, he said, agent. yep, anytime, mate. I'm yours to command. You know, oh, what a lovely guy. So where's where's he based, mate? Is he a, He's is in he a Pickering Yorkshire? in Yorkshire. Okay. So do we go there? Does he come to us? What do we, uh, what do we, what do we think? I don't know. I th- I, 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 we'd have to take it further, but I right. think it, we, we could certainly go to him. I mean, he'd be, he'd be a great guest on the pod. Be great, wouldn't it? Because he's such a terrific talker. Yeah. I was mesmerised by the bloke. I, I just, you know, if anybody else had melted away, I wouldn't have cared. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, but but the thing that was good was that mm. the Greg Knight, um, Sir Greg Knight, always produces a pretty good keynote speaker. And this year it was Mark Harper, the Minister for Transport. Oh, good. Which was amazing because there was a whole load of divisions going on. The bells were going on mm. constantly. But he stood up and made a pro-motorist um speech and uh he generally behaved as though he cared about cars and he was saying that they with the his department was well aware that the only people who who you who were commuters wholesale to get to work were in london and the rest of the country needed its cars Mm. and they were going to be mindful of that i tried to ask a question they took a few questions i got my hand up but nobody recognized it but i and i didn't shout loudly enough but what i wanted to ask him was what about the damage that's already been done? You know, there's there are inappropriate 20 mile an hour limits all over the place, and there are traffic calming measures that don't work. Yeah. And there, all these tales about, you know, fact motor factor companies that used to be able to make 120 deliveries a day can now only make 80. That sort of thing. Mm. So, so the actual damage to business. Yeah, he swerved it. I didn't. Okay. I didn't manage to get recognised. But that's the question I'd put. Yeah. But. He does seem like a good bloke, and his heart's in the right place. Hmm. As much as you can say that about a politician, yeah, yeah, it does. It does. I get a vibe that they realise the motorist is not some kind of weird lobby. It's just people about their business. Yeah, and not everybody is going to jump on a bicycle. Yeah. Well, as we sit here today, mate, as it's dark and ten degrees and throwing it down with rain and. All the other things, you know, all the other things I have to carry when I next go somewhere. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to go on a... I'm not... Much as I love bicycling, I'm not going to get on one to do that. Because no. I just can't. You no. Know? And it's just... That doesn't make me a motorist. It just makes me somebody who needs to bleed and go somewhere. Yeah. yeah. That's it. And yeah. shortly, I have to go 50 miles across the Cossels to my house. And uh, yeah. I'm not going to catch a bus, am I? Uh, you are literally not, mate. No. There, there, there is no how would you get there from you so you'd have to get into bista for which you would need a car or walk an hour and 25 minutes okay and then you would get a bus to i suppose you get a bus to oxford from there mm. and then you go from oxford to sirencester by bus or something i don't know i suppose train would go across it it'd be you'd have to stay overnight in oxford wouldn't you it'd take you a while i don't fancy it'd it. take you a while um something that would get you there a bit quicker i'm going to play a short clip or something. I'm actually just going to play it to me and you, Steve. I'm just going to play it on my phone. Yeah. But uh, we may edit a better sound in properly.
oh, just, I, just, just at the very end of that, I caught that clipped downshift. That is the sound of what? An Aerial Atom V8 has run by the, uh, well, by some guys from Aerial who visited the BMM's mm. last Gaiden gathering. You know, they have a classic car event for freebie, you know, for people to just come around on Tuesday night, bring their MGB or whatever, you know, their whatever they've got, you know, dog bone escort. And, um, <clears throat> and they get out something from the museum and they happen to be um, uh, at the moment displaying one of the very few aerial atom V8s, three liter V8 made of, initially made of two Suzuki Hayabusa engines, remember? Mm. Um, 470, I think, from three liters. About. Yeah. yeah, thereabouts. Yeah. Yeah. And, it revved to like 10,000 and something. Yeah, yeah, it revs a long way. I mean, it sounded pretty urgent then, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. We road tested it. It was the first aerial atom we did a full road test on rather than a first driver everything else they were a bit nervous because they said this car's a lot of money you know i'm not yeah. sure it will show the atom range in its best light because not all atoms are 150 grand and no. uh, there's only 25 of them i think they had trouble finding homes for all of them didn't they i think they got through them in the end but it yeah. was some i i have a feeling a couple of honda engineers or one certainly one fairly chief bloke in japan bought one Oh, really? Bought, bought, yeah, bought they went okay, didn't they? Oh, yeah. It was the... Uh, <laughs> was it? What was the traction like? That's what good. I was wondering. Yeah, no, it was fine. It was fine. It was on relatively sticky rubber. Traction was good. The difficulty... Slippery was, diff, I presume. Yeah, slippery diff. And a... Yeah, traction was really good. And it had no trouble getting heat into the back tyres. Oh. The problem was getting heat into the fronts. To make when, it turn. To make it turn. And when they came and did our road test at Myra, as we did sort of lap times at Myra at the time, they said, look, we, we haven't put it on super sticky rubber on the front, which we could have done if we were cheating. Yeah. We just stuck it on some track day tires, but it's on its standard rubber. So you'll just have to break and, you know, work those Get front tires up to temperature. But I thought it was great. I thought it was. Looked pretty really damn good, good today. Oh, Cause I was there today and they, hmm. they brought it back and parked it under the stairs. The BMM is very spacious. So you can put cars all over the building. Yeah. And uh, at the moment, the the as you walk in to buy, get a cup of coffee, that it stares you it in the eye. Yeah. You know, a bit of BMM British Motor Museum. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, up in Gaydon. Yes, yes, that's all. Uh, yeah. Just down the road from, well, down the road, opposite so, the footpath from Jaguar Land Rover's. Yeah, it's um, it's next door. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Yeah. 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 So, um, in fact, they share on the weekend the the um, the Jaguar Land Rover staff car park becomes the BMM car park. Ah, they've got a sweetheart agreement. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it's pretty good value, isn't it? And if you go once, they will give you a ticket that lasts twelve months. So yeah, you can go back as many times as you like. Yeah, it's a, it's no, no, it's good. It's, yeah. it's, it's very. I, I, you know what I think. I love the place. Yeah, well, yeah. More from there um, next time. Uh, oh, well, this time? No, not this time. Next week. Uh, shortly after we report called next week's pod, I will be driving the aerial hypercar. So I'm going to go down to Somerset and have a go. I gather from. I think I heard that you're going to make a bit of a journey, aren't you? you I think know, so. Yeah, not just a, not just a trundle around the locality, but an actual trip. Yeah, we'll try and get a decent, so you know, a decent amount of miles under its belt. That sounds good. So we can do that before the before the nights really draw in. We should be able. Yeah, to do yeah. That. yeah. You should be able to pass people. Okay. Yeah. Um, so don't forget, you can write to uh, me and Steve at Autocar 
at haymarket.com. If you want, you can find us on the socials. You can find Autocar over at autocar.co.uk and you can subscribe to the magazine in print or digitally if you go to themagazineshop.com. Until next week, thank you, Steve. Thanks a lot, mate. I enjoyed it. Me too. See you next time.